0: Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep?
1: Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes,
0: because otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. In Australia, one in every ten babies are born premature. This is before the 37 weeks full gestation While we all know that premier births happen, unless you've experienced it yourself, it can be difficult to imagine what it's actually like. For Morgan Anslow, her first pregnancy lasted until 26 weeks when her daughter Chloe came into the world weighing just over one kilogram. I want you to think about that for a minute, one kilogram. Uh, Both my children were about 3.7 or over when they came into the world she spent 10 weeks in the neonatal intensive care unit otherwise known as NICU before she was able to come home her second baby Isla came at 27 weeks so she got an extra week there and eight days more and weighed 1.2 kilos and they were in hospital for over about three months. Morgan joins me in the studio now. Hi, Morgan. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, thank you. So how old are your girls now? So my eldest is six
1: and she's in kindergarten and my youngest is a very fasty three-year-old. <laughs> yes. Aren't they all?
0: Yes. <laughs> I want to meet a quiet, calm three-year-old. It yes. would be very fun. So how are they doing?
1: Uh, really amazingly well. So they're both healthy and well and for the most part, you wouldn't tell that they were premature.
0: Was there any indication before you had your first child that, um, that you might have a premie? Like, is it something that runs in families or um, in your checkups? Did they have any indication that she'd be that early?
1: For me, first time round, there was absolutely no indication. Uh, it was a normal, completely uneventful pregnancy. Uh, all my checkups had been normal and I just went into labour one Sunday afternoon and 10 hours later, I had a tiny, tiny premie.
0: There are so many things that um, go through your mind when you're in labour, but for most of us, we've had nine months to get used to the idea, even if we don't, can't predict what it's going to be like. How much of a shock was it to go into labour so soon?
1: Uh, I don't know if I could even describe. It was an incredible shock, incredibly.
0: Um, Not just because you missed out on maternity leave.
1: Oh, well, yeah, that too. <laughs> Um oh, I suppose my biggest concern in when I was in Labour is what's gonna happen and uh and I am I even gonna have a baby to take home at the end of it? That, that was my biggest really concern. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so what kind of care did you have at that time? Were you going through a um, public hospital? Did you have an obstetrician?
1: I had a private obstetrician. Um, We had signed up for antenatal classes and walked through the private hospital, but alas, we never got to that point. So we were raced straight into the public hospital as soon as we sort of suspected that I was in labour.
0: And what was your care like there? I always wonder... um, Hospitals aren't your nat- natural place of being for anyone. Unfortunately, if you've had a lot of illness in your family, you might be more familiar with the system. But for many of us going into hospital um, to have our babies, it's the first time we've really encountered um, that whole system. And you would have been very distressed and um, worried about what was happening. How did you find they the treatment when you were there and how did they talk to you about what was happening?
1: Uh Everyone that I encountered was brilliant. It was overwhelming because there was lots of people in the room. So, you know, you had the team of doctors, you had the, the team of nurses, uh, you had the midwives. So really, um, and the neonatologists, they're probably the people that I was most interested in because I wanted to know what was going to happen to my baby. And you don't really care about what's happening to you at that point in time. Um, but yeah, no, the care was amazing. Um, they explained as much as you can explain between contractions, I suppose, you know, so you're trying to absorb that information of what's going on, but you're also having fairly extreme pain at the same time. So that's hard to process. Um, but they were brilliant and they were brilliant with my husband who was also really scared
0: of what was going to happen. So you're a doctor. I am. Yes. And you are possibly more fam- – well, possibly you are more familiar with the hospital environment than yeah, what right. others might be. Absolutely. Still
1: – It doesn't change the fact that it was scary as hell.
0: Oh, that's what I was going to say. It yeah, wouldn't – it doesn't change it for a second. And it must be very different when um, – as I often think it is different for partners than the woman who's laboring, mm. when it's actually happening to you, um, your perspective is going to shift a little Absolutely. bit. You can't You can't remove yourself from the situation and be clinical. Um so, in your brain, whilst you are a doctor and you know you're also having those the professionals that are there to look after you, how on earth do you process information whilst you're in labour? I don't clearly remember actually being able to process much at all when I was having my own children.
1: It's difficult, as I said, I uh, I don't know that I remembered much from the entire situation or the entire 10 hours of being in labour. Uh, all I remember is the conversation with the neonatologist and um, being told, you know, that um, that there was a 20% chance that she would be completely normal with no developmental complications. So there's a 20% chance that she's not going to make it. And then the rest in the middle is. Um, You know um there'll be complications of of what goes on regardless of what that that is
0: those are terrifying statistics to Mm. hear whilst you're in labor absolutely and uh and how was your husband through all of this
1: he he was even more scared than me because he didn't understand that a baby at 26 weeks could survive he thought that we were in hospital to say goodbye
0: oh my god that's devastating and you wouldn't have been able to talk to him. You wouldn't so. have been able to know what was going through his mind. Absolutely. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I am speaking with Morgan Anslow. She had two Premier babies who are now six and three and thriving. But we're talking about the experience of going into labour earlier than you would expect. And particularly because Morgan's a doctor, she knows exactly when uh, her full term is around. Well, don't we all? We're all planning for our um, maternity leave to try and get our, have time to put our feet up before the baby comes. What happened once you had given birth to um, Chloe? What was the situation then? Um, were you able to hold her? But because she's Premier, I imagine other things have to come into play.
1: Absolutely. So um, all I remember from immediately after giving birth was a tiny little cry. Um, The neonatologist came over and said that she was a female and that she weighed 1,031 grams and that all of those things uh, meant that she was likely to have a good outcome and so I was reassured by that but that was the extent of the conversation before she got whisked out of the room and I didn't see her uh, again for hours after that once I did finally go and see her I was actually scared to touch her I she was so tiny she was fragile and even having been in that situation before I I was scared that I might hurt her by touching her in the tiny tiny humidity crib so That was really challenging. Um, And then I got my first cuddle, would have been about 36 hours
0: after she was born. um, And that was so precious. And with premies, how does breastfeeding work? Because they're so tiny. I mean, when they come out at full term, it can be hard to breastfeed. What happens in that situation?
1: So obviously we can't breastfeed. Uh, Both of my girls were tube fed for a long time. So they had a tube into their stomach uh, and we trickle um, breast milk that's been expressed down into the tube. Uh, So I concentrated my efforts into making as much milk as I could so they would grow. Uh, And so that's, um, I would express every three hours. So even though, you know, I wasn't, the baby wasn't home with me and Chloe or Isla weren't home with me, you know, you're getting up every night to express a couple of times a night to make sure that you sustain your breast milk so that you can look after them and keep giving them breast milk.
0: There's a lot of what you experienced that sounds incredibly challenging to me, but one of the hardest things I imagine must be going home and leaving your baby in the hospital. Um, what At what point did they send you home and then you had to keep coming back? Because Chloe was in hospital for 10 weeks. That's a long time. Mm.
1: Um, single-handedly the hardest thing I've ever done both times. Um, so with Chloe, I went home after four days. Uh, they were very generous and let me stay. Um, and the second time I went home after two days and I cried all the way home both times.
0: I bet you did. I bet you did. So anyone listening to this who hasn't um, been, hasn't had a PREMI but has a friend who's gone through it, what can they do to help? Because it's um, it's hard to put into words just what you and your partner were going through emotionally, and many people might go, they just need time away from all of us, which might be the case. What was it like for you guys?
1: I remember at the time being really challenged um, and feeling <sighs> upset by other mothers around me who had had who got to take their baby home and I remember understanding that that was purely just a reflection of the fact that I wanted my baby home but even so I found that really challenging to interact with other mothers at the time Uh, but I was aware of that what I really appreciated from my friends was just touching base and often I didn't even didn't have the time or or didn't have the energy to reply but you know, the text message from a family member or the casual, you know, text message on Facebook saying, I'm thinking of you guys was so, so amazing. Um, and then just the practical stuff, you know, people showed up at our house with groceries just left at our front door. And that was amazing. Um, you know, coming in and just sitting with us, having a coffee while I was expressing breast milk, you know, just being there. Yeah. <laughs> that I didn't is put true breast friendship. milk
0: <laughs> That is true friendship. But can I just say that says more about how brave you are than them, because there's nothing quite like expressing breast milk to cement a friendship. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... um how old – so 10 weeks you got to take Chloe home. 17th of
1: September.
0: 17th of September. I'm sure that's going to be etched in your memory Absolutely. forever. Um, once you get home, in what I'm thinking again from outside looking in, I can imagine that all of that intense emotion and stress that you felt in the time that she was in hospital, it's got to come out at some point. Mm. Um, how was that for you? Because we're often told when a baby's full term that we might go through the baby blues at day four, perhaps, depending on how you're going. And personally, I think that's a combination of hormones and just lack of sleep. Um, but effectively, you've had 10 weeks of really heightened emotions, stress, pumping. The horm- hormones are still going through your body. Your body's still adjusting to labor. Um, when did it come out for you?
1: Um. That's a hard question to answer. I used to describe it to my friends as you have 10 weeks of this really horrible trauma where you're living in fear every day and then you bring a newborn home. So it's essentially like, it's almost like having a newborn for that whole time. So that newborn period is extended over a much, much longer, longer period um, because you're in hospital for 10 weeks or with Isla three three months and then you come home and you've got a newborn who's up every two hours and you're sleep deprived even more um, and you're still, you're still worried because prems still have issues from that point. So it's not even just a normal newborn. It's, it's a really special newborn who's at home, who's not sleeping and keeping you up all night. Um, so I don't know that I went through that on any, at any single period in time. I think it was a challenging time through the whole lot.
0: um, Was there any support offered to you I mean um, were there any groups that you could connect with, you mentioned that it was hard to be around mums who had their babies at full term Um, were you able to find solace in mothers who were going through a similar thing to you?
1: Absolutely so I remember fondly at the time uh, trolling through the Miracle Babies Facebook page I used to love the uh, used to be called Milestone Monday where um, older, older premie, ex-premies, so a two-year-old who's learnt to ride a bike or a, um, a five-year-old who's celebrating a birthday who was a 26-weeker or a 27-weeker. Um, I remembered those photos and those posts and they used to give me hope and help me get, through the, get me through the days. So I was really grateful for that and for lots of the other Miracle Babies initiatives like the Nurture Group
0: and Nurture Time when people walk through the neonatal intensive care unit. Right, so they, they the group themselves come through and they reach out to you and talk to you, ask you how you're going. Absolutely that kind of thing. Um, being a doctor, did it help have, did you have the knowledge there in terms of how to care for Chloe once you came home? I don't think it makes any
1: difference. I, I really don't. I, um, I worry about both of them in an irrational way, regardless of that knowledge. You're regardless a mum. of that medical knowledge, I'm I'm a mum first and foremost, and I, I
0: don't think any amount of training changes that. So uh, I have to ask though, in your mother's groups, did everyone always ask you about odd rashes?
1: <laughs> I still get photos and phone calls at midnight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is it with mums and rashes? We just can't go to a Doctor, I mean, like, I mean, I know you're a doctor, but still, like, we, a photo is different to seeing a baby. I had to ask that question. Um, so, fast forward, and Chloe's a toddler. You're pregnant again. You um, went into labour at 27 weeks.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember it vividly. We had gone down the coast because I wanted to relax and hopefully be pregnant for longer, I suppose. Um, and I was making steaks. Uh, for lunch and my waters broke and I knew, I I flashed forward in an instant to what the next three months were going to be. And then I broke down
0: crying and then
1: we made our way to hospital.
0: And so did you go to hospital down there or?
1: It turned out once I got in the car, I was in labour, I was starting to get contractions. So we went to Wollongong Hospital and then I was transferred lights and sirens to RPA Hospital
0: that time. And of course, your. Down the south coast, I'm assuming it was just you and your partner. Is that, and your, Chloe was there too. And Chloe. And what happens with a toddler when you go into labour early?
1: Yeah, uh, thank goodness Luke has amazing parents and he called them and they met us at Wollongong Hospital and they got there about the same time we did.
0: How did C- Chloe respond to you being in labour? Uh,
1: she was okay with me being in labour, I think because we both knew what was going on. Uh, So I was less scared initially the second time. Uh, So she was okay. Uh, I think she had more difficulty coping with me being away so much once we were in the NICU with Isla. That was really challenging because I was driving from Liverpool to RPA every day. Um, And then I would get there and I'd spend as much time as I physically could with Isla before I drove home and then spent time with Chloe. And I remember feeling torn second time around. Like I was never settled no matter where I was because
0: I wanted to be with both of them and I couldn't. And how did Chloe respond to that? Because often older siblings find it hard with a younger baby anyway, but when that baby has special needs and needs, and mummy's not just at home breastfeeding while they're there and can physically climb all over her and annoy her, mummy's actually away in the hospital. Did, how did that come out for her behaviourally? Did it affect her that way?
1: Yeah, I definitely think she regressed a little bit. She definitely became much more clingy. She intuitively knew that something was going on and that mum and dad were upset. Um, So, yeah, it was more just a little bit of regression of her behaviour and being much more clingy and... More tantrums, that kind of thing.
0: Yes, all the things that you really need when you go—just <laughs> life, isn't it? Just to make it a bit more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just let's add a few more things to the to the mixing pot, um, and then of course you bring Isla home, and um, you've been through this before. Um, they're both quite tra- Well, they're both traumatic beginnings to uh, your life as a mother. Whether it's your first, second, third child, each birth is effectively different. We are always it's always gonna change with another child. How did you cope the second time round, especially when you as you said, you felt torn between the two of them?
1: Uh, it was definitely more challenging the second time round, there's no doubt about that. I I don't think I coped as well the second time round, but we made it work. Um we Isla was a little bit more challenging in the sense that she had uh, apneas after going home, so she stopped breathing a couple of times after going home, and one of those was just a simple cold and we had to race her back to hospital because she had stopped breathing. Um and the other time we're not really sure what happened, so I was really nervous and anxious more so the second time once we got Isla home than the first time around. Um and that was just because we didn't know if that was going to happen again.
0: How does it affect your parenting after such a tough start? I, I imagine if it was me, it would be very hard not to be hypervigilant with my kids when they've had such a tender and vulnerable start to life.
1: I am definitely much more cautious with them when they are sick. I, uh, even now with Isla, and she's three now, I, it's not uncommon for me to sleep on the floor next to her if she has a cold, because I'm just not sure how she's going to cope with it. Um, Less
0: so now, more so when she was a little bit younger, but I, I do still do that on occasion. Do you think it's something that as time goes by, you feel a bit more relaxed about it or is it
1: absolutely so we, I'm very confident in Chloe and in her health now she is wonderful and thriving and and I don't treat her any different I think to any other six-year-old um, Isla we really were a little bit traumatised by her stopping breathing at home that's something that Fair you enough. never ever get over um, so I'm probably a little bit more cautious with her but I can see myself getting more
0: confident with her every day yeah Um, And, of course, I can't let you go without mentioning that after all of this, you went and ran a marathon in New York. How many k's is a marathon again? 48? Uh, 42. 42. Oh, my goodness. 42 kilometres. Are you mad? (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes is the answer to that question. Uh, I can thank my husband for that one. He <laughs> challenged me and said, I bet you couldn't do it. And oh, of course, dear. I don't back down. So I found a way to do it and I trained for 12 months and we went to New York and had an amazing time and I made it.
0: Wow. Run a miracle. Did he
1: run it as well? He didn't, no. Well, But the positive that came out of it is that we raised lots of money for Miracle Babies Foundation. So that's oh, what we did it for.
0: Fabulous. And of course, the the beautiful ending of this story is that you have two thriving, healthy girls. You kicked butt in the marathon. You can always have that for your hubby. Next time he complains about anything, you go, ah, sorry, have you run a marathon? I don't think so. Um, but before I let you go, I mean, what would you say to, if someone's going through this right now, if they have a pregnant baby, even if that baby is um, six months, I, I understand that it's not a, a week-long journey. It's a longer journey than that. What would you say to them if they're in where you were at when your girls were younger?
1: I would say that you are not alone, that you're doing a great job and that you are much stronger than you think you are. And eventually you will
0: get to a point where you can put this behind you. Excellent. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for coming in.
1: Thank you. It was lovely to meet you.
0: That was Morgan Anslow. And if you'd like to find out more information about the Miracle Babies Foundation and the work they do, just head to our website. That's kindling.com.au and search for Miracle Babies. You've been
1: listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to
0: kindling.com.au.